Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner. You're listening to Common Sense Pregnancy and Parenting, the podcast. I'm the author of Common Sense Pregnancy, the book, and uh, I write for a bunch of nonprofit and humanitarian organizations, mostly about women's lives and maternal health issues. Many of you know that I also volunteer with CARE as a citizen advocate. And, fair disclosure, lately I've been working with CARE, writing and creating a podcast for them. I've volunteered with them for about, I don't know, maybe eight or nine years now. And what I do is I team up with um, other advocates from both parties, from all over my state and nearby states and all around our country. And um, I lobby. I have conversation with conversations with my senators and Um, congressmen and women and their staff members about the issues that are important to me and to CARE's mission, which is to eliminate poverty and improve human rights by working through the lives of girls and women. Um, Their mission is really important to me. I, I think that, you know, it's really essential that we're all doing all that we can to bring everybody up to create more equality, to create more stability, and any way that we as citizens and volunteers and parents can do that, and healthcare providers and politicians and baristas and, you know, I don't care who you are, we all need to raise the bar. So that's why I work with CARE. Um, because it really fills a deep need that I have um, to be an advocate and a volunteer. Uh, Like many of you, I'm still reeling from the election results, and watching the new administration take shape is, it's stressing me out. It'd be easy to fall into that, you know, the doomsday narrative that I'm seeing all over social media and the news. And for young adults, I think it'd be hard you know, not to believe that the world is coming into an end and there's nothing we can do about it. But this isn't my first time at the political rodeo, and I'm old enough to be able to look back on history and see that, you know, moving society forward has never been a peaceful, simple process. We've always been, you know, going through revolution, Um, you know, and as a nation, it seems like we always resist change until we can no longer stop change from happening. Um, And, you know, hard as many factions of society try to dig in and prevent change from happening, still, progress always moves forward, if not exactly as quickly as many of us want. Um, You know, but even though I know all that, this election feels to a lot of us like we've been blown back to the starting line. And, And I've been feeling that way. Or I felt that way, I should say, until one day last week when I joined a conference call with David Ray, um, who's CARES Vice President for Policy and Advocacy, and Rachel Lehman, who's Managing Director for CARES Advocacy Arm, CARE Action. Um, CARE Action is the part where I volunteer. Um, And then there were dozens of other citizen advocates like myself on the line. And all of us were trying to get an answer to the big questions. You know, what the heck happens now that the election didn't go the way we thought it would? And, you know, we were all pretty anxious, but David and Rachel had such a reassuring and energizing way of answering that question that I thought it'd be really valuable for all of you to get that perspective too. Um, So I invited them to come on the podcast and, um, you know, rather than talking about anything else this week, uh, I, we're going to talk to them. We're going to hear what they have to say. Um, before I get them on the, the line, the one other thing that I want to say is this. We're heading into the holiday season. We all have so much to be grateful for. And I wish you all a very, very happy Thanksgiving. And I hope that this Thanksgiving, more than any holiday season that you've experienced before, that you go at it with the spirit of service. I want you to look around and find who you can help now. Whose day can you make better today? 
What can you do today that can move progress forward? We can all do something. And I want you guys to be intentional about it. So without further ado, let's get David and Rachel on the phone. Hello. Hi. Hi, David. Rachel, are you there too? I'm here, Jeannie. Hello. Hi. How's it going for you guys? It's going well. Yeah? Yeah. Am I catching you in D.C.? We're actually just outside of D.C. We have our whole global advocacy team together for a couple of days to plan for next year. And you are making big plans, I bet. We we are. Yeah. 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 It's a little different uh, circumstance than we had anticipated a week or so ago, but, but we're... You know, we're, we're going to still make some progress. Okay, good. Well, I set you guys up a little bit in my intro today, but I want to go ahead and give you the formal introduction that you deserve. And I'm going to read parts of your bios, not the whole thing, because honestly, you guys have been busy, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to cover the highlights. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, Rachel Lehman is the executive director of Care Action. She has over 16 years of legislative policy, communications, political, international, managerial, and consulting experience, including 10 years in a House of Representatives leadership committee, as well as serving on the senior staff of a presidential campaign. David Ray serves as VP for Policy and Advocacy for Care USA and managing director of Care Action Now. He has 25 years of advocacy, uh, constituency building, and campaigning experience. Before returning to CARE in January 2012, he served as Chief Strategy and Public Policy Officer for Points of Light. In his prior 19 years with CARE, David served as Director of Global Advocacy, leading a team of regional advocacy advisors around the world. There is a whole lot more there, David. Oh my God, you guys. (laughs) I'm, I'm getting old, Jeannie. I think you and I are about the same age, David, so just watch that little comment there. <laughs> uh, yes, I still feel young. I do too, yeah, actually. Yeah. I do too. But, you know, when you when I read a bio like that, I I feel kind of equal parts like slim pickings over here, and <laughs> the other part really... Um, just delighted to be able to have a conversation with people like you two who are just really making things happen. So now that I have read your ridiculously impressive bios, here's the real question. And David, I'll start with you. Sure. Who are you and what do you do? I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm lots of things. I have lots of different roles I play in life. Uh, I'm, I'm a husband. I've been married for over 30 years and I, I have two kids and a dad. I'm also a son. I still have my, my parents are still alive and kicking and doing well and both close to 90 years old now. So Mm. I'm somewhere sandwiched in the middle and, uh, I'm a I'm a cyclist. I ride. I commute to work as many days as I can, and and I try to get out and get some long rides in on the weekend. To clear my head. And you uh, live in D.C., right? Live the, yeah, just just over the border in Maryland. But yeah, basically the little town I live in is divided by the border between D.C. and Maryland. So yeah, for all intents and purposes, D.C. And and your kids? How old are your kids? Twenty nine and twenty five. See, you and I really are in the same demographic. <laughs> I have a 29-year-old and a 27-year-old. Oh gosh! Yeah. And then I've got I've got more than that, but we're we're about the same age. Yeah, right? yeah. I guess yeah, yeah. That's yeah. it. It's nothing like hearing your kids are in your late 20s to make you feel <laughs> like you've been around for a while. Tell me about it. Yeah. But I've got a 16-year-old, so it's even oh, worse. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you have the energy to do that, Jeannie. <laughs> I don't know either. You just do what you do, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Rachel, it's your turn. Who are you and what do you do? Well, I uh, I wear a few different hats as well. Maybe not quite as many as David. Um, 
but I wear them very stylishly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am a relatively newcomer to care. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very excited to have fled politics (laughs) (laughs) and come to an incredible organization like here. Um, I am a wife, a military spouse. I am a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a godmother, um, and an avid uh, yoga practitioner. Ooh, that adds some, I didn't know that about you. Yes, and it's coming in really handy these days (laughs) to have that sort of regular meditative and uh, calming time. I've got the meditation piece, but I am an avid yoga aspirer. (laughs) (laughs) I planned on going to a yoga class last week and just about every week this year. (laughs) 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 Haven't made it. Haven't made it once. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that happens. It took me about 10 years of wanting to do yoga before I finally got up the guts and went to a class. I used to be into it. I was I was definitely into it for a long, long time. And then, you know, life. <laughs> yeah, life yeah, happens. That is. Yeah. yeah. I kept the meditation piece. That's how I have energy to do anything, David. Yes, I yeah, get that. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I mentioned to my listeners um, before we got you on the line that I've been working with CARE for a little while as a volunteer citizen advocate, um, as part of a national network of advocates who lobby and raise awareness about, you know, all, the big issues like climate change and humanitarian aid for refugees and natural disasters and gender-based violence and eradicating maternal mortality and improving global food security. All of these big, big things um, in an effort to eliminate global poverty. And, you know, I, I'm, I'll i go ahead and give my little spin on how that happens. CARE does that by, you know, implementing programs that improve the lives of girls and women and by helping influence U.S. policies that support that mission. Um, a, a lot of these issues stand to take a really big backseat in the new administration. And for those of us, who, of us who've been doing this for a while, that's, that's a fairly daunting proposition. And, um, you know, David, last week, you, we had the conference call where several care advocates were, you know, we were all kind of hearing what you had to say in the wake of the election. And you had some really surprisingly reassuring things to say to those of us that are, you know, freaked out out here. And I and I really wanted you to share your perspectives. Sure. Well, I, I, I you know, there is a lot I have to say just at the beginning. There's a lot that's still unknown about mm-hmm. what a Trump administration will look like. And I mm-hmm. think there's there's, uh, uh, you know, we we still don't know whether Trump the the presidential candidate is going to be uh, the same person as Trump, the president, and and who he's going to have surround him, and what kind of policies his administration is going to put forward. So we're actively trying to understand all of that, <laughs> and and as and as we do, we will share that more broadly with with everyone who's part of the larger care family and the care network, but. That said, in some fundamental ways, really little has changed. Well, certainly some significant things have changed. Uh, and at a very basic level, we're going to remain focused as an organization and as a community on our mission on eradicating poverty, as you said, and with a particular focus on women and girls mm-hmm. and the policy goals, the things that you were just you were just enumerating um, as we have were before the election. Uh, that's going to continue to be our focus, and we're going to be prepared to work with really anyone who supports those goals and shares those values. So, you know, there seems to be some evidence that working with the Trump administration is going to be something different than working with the Clinton administration uh, in some very real ways, and there's no denying that candidate Trump and his supporters said and did some things during the campaign that are that are deeply troubling. Yeah. And if he translates those things into policy, are going to present uh, a huge challenge for our efforts. But that said, I, I think the thing that gives many of us that care hope for the next year and the next four years is that 
we had some really significant accomplishments in some of the areas that you were talking about mm-hmm. last year that built on several years of work. And that was in what was already a very highly polarized Congress. And and so I, I've many of those same folks that we worked with on those issues in Congress are going to be in Congress again. And so really, as a result of the work that you and your fellow advocates did around the country, uh, we were able to pass things like a, a piece of legislation called the Global Food Security Act. That's a big step toward a more aggressive effort at, at reducing and ultimately ending hunger and malnutrition in the world with a special focus on women, smallholder farmers. We did a lot to educate lawmakers on the importance of this investigate, in, investing in international family planning and other interventions that can reduce maternal and child deaths. And we were able to secure really a record number of co-sponsors in the House, 225, uh, including almost half Republicans, to uh, put forward a a piece of legislation that would, uh, would eliminate preventable maternal and child deaths. And so I I feel optimistic that we can, in fact, continue to build on those relationships and make progress, even uh, even in an administration that that may well turn out not to be uh, friendly toward our issues overall. But that's going to depend very much on on people uh, who are like you, who are continuing to talk to their members of Congress and build relationships, because you know you've heard a lot of the same talk I did. There's uh, a lot of talk about elites and and mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's really important for folks in Congress to know Congress and the Trump administration to know that that there are real people uh, yeah. out there around the country who really do care about these issues and want our country to be active in fighting these kinds of issues. And so it's not just some elite in Washington or somewhere else yeah. that's pushing this agenda. I think it's really important to interject here that um, even though I am fiercely loyal to Hillary Clinton, CARE is actually a completely bipartisan organization. And I often find myself as a really you know, engaged Democrat defending um, the opinion that Republicans aren't interested in social change or foreign affairs or, you know, issues like climate change and, you know, food aid reform. And that really couldn't be further from the truth. And actually, that was a myth that was busted for me as I became an advocate for care. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's true. I mean, I I certainly had a chance to, to travel with and get to know many Republican lawmakers and Republican staff members and and uh i you know without exception they all have been folks who care genuinely about these issues and may have mm-hmm. different approaches than than some of the democratic members or staffers that that we work with but but no less committed to really the same kind of ends to to eliminating poverty and and suffering around the world and i i don't know i i mean rachel you worked on the Hill with several Republican members and worked on Lindsey Graham's campaign. You, you know, you will have a unique perspective on that. Well, that's something I wanted to ask you, Rachel, you know, in, you know, as, as sort of the leader of care action, which is cares, um, advocacy arm, you know, care does a whole lot of things around the world, but care action is specifically the advocacy arm. Um, and, you know, you can speak for the members of the network, Republicans, Democrats, independents, liberals, Green Party, everybody's there. Am I right? Absolutely. And I think that is part of why it's been so effective. Um, I know. I mean, we, we take a fully bipartisan approach. Um, mm-hmm. We work with champions on, um, on both sides of the aisle. Um, anyone who wants to work with us, we want to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a big part of that engagement is drawing upon advocates all around the country who mm-hmm. come from 
the whole spectrum, conservative Republicans, moderate Republicans, you know, all the way through the, the left side of the spectrum. And, That's me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, all the way over to me. <laughs> and, and Jamie, you heard it on the call that yeah. we um, did with some of our top advocates immediately after the election last week. Um, yeah. we, we heard a lot of Republicans speaking up, a lot of, a lot of Democrats, and um, you know, hearing their thoughts on, on what this means. And the thing that they all have in common is an unshakable commitment to this war and yeah. to carrying it forward no matter um, who controls uh, the, the various branches of government. So I, I think it's an enormous, assort, an enormous source of strength um, for the work that we do that it is such a broad cross-section of America and it really comes in handy <laughs> yeah. Yeah. when you have an election that goes differently than you thought. Um, we, we just have such a broad and deep pool to draw from. You know, um, as a member of, you know, uh, I, I am ridiculously idealistic and I honestly, <laughs> I, I am. It's how I go about my work in the world is just, um, I'm very idealistic and I really had my hopes up high that we would have a Clinton administration and the floodgates to humanitarian assistance would be, you know, open and, um, all would be right with the world. And it was really encouraging me to me when you guys were talking the other day about how, yeah, we just have to keep doing the same work. It's not really different today, the day after the the election, as it was the day before the election. It's just sort of our perceptions have really changed. And, um, you know, there's the, the Buddhist statement, you know, before enlightenment, you chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, <laughs> you chop wood, carry water. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar. Yeah, absolutely. I, very much. And I, you know, I've been doing, as you noted earlier, <laughs> this kind of work for a long time. And, uh, a, bit, and, a bit now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and I will sometimes, you know, talk to folks who say, how do you do this? How do you keep at this? Look at the world. Mm -hmm. and, and I have to say, like you, I, I also am... am I'm a pretty strong idealist, you know, partly it's a matter about of what we think is the right thing to do, regardless of the situation in the world or regardless of who gets elected in any particular election. But it's also, I have to say, I think if you look at the long arc of history uh, over time, there's no denying that that uh, really the, the quality of human life uh, on the planet has improved and continues to improve. Uh, if you look at the number of people who've been lifted out of poverty in the last 20 years, the number of, of uh, deaths under five that have been reduced, the number of women who are dying from preventable causes due to childbirth reduced, uh, it's been dramatic. That, that said, there's still a lot to do, but I, I have to look at that longer term. And so while, yeah, there may be some unique challenges with this incoming administration, I think, and frankly, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to really play defense on. Yeah. And, and as well as looking for those things where we can make some real progress going forward. There in the long haul, I have no doubt that we will over time continue to, to, as I guess originally Martin Luther King said, you know, bend that arc uh, toward justice. And, and so I think that's, you have to look at the long term, uh, or you can get very, very discouraged by uh, current events in the world. I was just having a conversation with my son, who's 21, and understandably pretty freaked out by the chaos and the violence. Yeah. You know, and we're in Portland, so um, oh, yeah, our, yeah. our protesters aren't, um, they aren't <laughs> behaving themselves quite so nicely. Um, and I was, he's not taking part in that, that part of it. Um, but I was reminding him that, you know, we've seen this kind of public outrage and behavior since before the American Revolution. Mm. And it kind of takes this level of anger and outrage to, 
to provide leverage to move progress forward. And, you know, the the benefit of being a little bit older is that, you know, we can, I'm kind of grateful that I can look back and over my own history and recognize that today's protests are similar to issues we've seen before. And, and you know, given that, what do you want to say to young Americans and, and those who are kind of new to this? Well, I, either I'll, I'll, either I'll, one of you. You know, I'll, I'll take a shot and hand it to you, Rachel. But <laughs> I, I, I'd say, first of all, there is a take the longer view. Uh, recognize that that there are that events at the moment are quite troubling in many ways. But the other thing is to is to channel that anger and that frustration and that sense of of uh, doubt about whether or not you can make an, a, dif- a difference into channels that you, where you can actually impact things. And so there is going to be. If you're opposed to uh, President Trump and many of the things that he has stood for during the campaign, get engaged, get uh, find ways that you can help to advance the things that you care about and blunt the worst of that. If you were a, a Trump supporter and there were things that frustrated you about how things were going, let's get engaged, find a way to channel that toward ways that we can bring people who have common concerns about the, the common good uh, and the bigger issues that you were talking about earlier together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly the Care Action Network, just to make a little commercial, uh, is one place oh, yeah. where, where people can do that. But Rachel, you may have, you're, you're, you're a little closer to me than to that age group. Uh, so you may, you may have other things to offer. Well, just to pick back up on David's last point is that Care Action really does provide that opportunity to channel that that passion, that intensity that um, you may be feeling, no matter which you know which side that you fall on. Everyone right now feels strongly. That seems to be the thing that you guys <laughs> yeah. And I think a lot of people are. You know they're they're looking for a way to move forward, mm-hmm. or maybe not even to that point yet. They just know that they feel really strongly, and here is this opportunity to move forward. We've, um, I mean, it's been as David mentioned, um, we are gathering as an advocacy team right now um, for our annual retreat, mm-hmm. and we spent a lot of time today. At least we started our day kind of talking about all these great successes that we've had in the last couple of years. Um, We've also closed out the day um, with a discussion about the election and what it means. And one of the things that we talked about is over the last several years, um, the incredible transportation uh, transformation that has taken place in the U.S. government and the improvement in our policies and the way that development and humanitarian assistance is delivered. And it's in a really measurable way, we can see how lives are, have been improved. So there's an incredible story. Right, they don't. There's an incredible story to be told and people don't know it. And that is something that we need um, people across the country to help us help us do help us tell that that story i know people people think nothing's ever going to change we're always going to have the poor they're always going to be miserable and you know it's never going to get any better and and that's because that's the i think people rest back on the story they already know rather than Mm. taking a look at new information to add to the story and you know i'm just going to challenge any listener who any listener out there who doesn't already know it to go on to CARE's website, care.org or careaction.org if you're um, ready to start advocating and look at the statistics for how much progress has been made, how many lives have been saved. I mean, it's it, it, it's incredible. Really. It, it, it is incredible. And the, the, the <laughs> amount of change that's happened, just as I said earlier, in the last 15 to 20 years. And and, and that, that also translates into that's real people's lives changed. I can't yeah. tell you the number of people who I've met 
around the world who who have been courageous in creating a better life for themselves and for their families, particularly women in yeah. many cases. And and they are the real faces uh, of those kinds of statistics. And so when you when you do look at those numbers, think about that in terms of real people and what that means. And there are lots of people out there who are fighting for change for themselves around the world. And so it's it's not a matter of of folks somewhere who who just need our help and support i mean certainly we all need help from time to time from each other and yeah cases this of week, humanitarian this disasters and things. this week especially everybody <laughs> need needs a little, a little hug <laughs> yeah but 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 it is a case really of folks who are who are fighting to make the world better for themselves and their families and making those kinds of changes and it's a matter of us standing with them and doing what we can do together to make a better world for us all. And that is happening. I've seen it time Me after too. time, community after community, family after family. And, and so I, yeah, I would, I would echo your, <laughs> your yeah. challenge to folks to go and take a look at those numbers. Yeah. I challenge listeners to go read the better story because it's out there. Yeah. But you know what we should probably clarify just real quickly is um, why girls and women, why does care work? through the lives of girls and women, specifically. Who's on? Well, I guess I will take that one. Um, well, it's two things. That's where the need is greatest, and that's where the solutions are the most powerful. Um, we know that when we look at we look at poverty across the world, it disproportionately impacts um, women and girls. But we also know that when we engage them, when we empower them, when we help to create the tools so that they can live the empowered, dignified life um, that they deserve, that whole communities are pulled out of poverty, that you, you empower a woman, you don't just empower one person, you empower her entire family um, and often her entire community. So it is, um, it's, it's, a, it's a moral imperative and it's incredibly practical. Mm -hmm. It really is. Another thing I wanted to ask you, Rachel, is you know you you spent quite a lot of time in a you know in Congress, and I think that there is just pervasive skepticism among you know most Americans that we really actually can make any influence um, as individual citizens. And I wanted to ask you how much influence citizens actually have on members of Congress. You know, I I don't make a lot of friends defending Congress. <laughs> um, I realize it's not um, it's not a popular position to hold. I will say though, it is maybe one of the biggest misconceptions about how our government works is that members of Congress don't care about what their constituents have to say. Uh, they care very much. Um, there's no doubt that money has an outside role in how our government works, and there's a lot that we could do to fix that. But every member of Congress um, understands that they are there because of the voters, the constituents who got them there. And they, they, they put a lot of effort and time and resources into understanding their districts, understanding the, the hearts and minds of their constituents. And they, you know, there are certainly some exceptions, but I did spend a lot of time on the Hill and I would say the, the rule that almost across the board is that members of Congress's, members of Congress care about their constituents. They, um, they have a whole staff team that's in place to um, to correspond with them, to meet with them, and to help them understand what are the what are the issues and concerns that really drive their constituents. It's actually it's it's pretty impressive, you know, from the advocate side of things. And I, I think I've been hanging out with you, care folks, for I don't know eight or nine years now. And prior to getting involved like that, I would go to protests. 
I would sign petitions and, you know, I'm a nurse and a writer and, you know, I'm not a political, politically savvy person, but I, I left protests and petitions feeling like, well, that was it, you know, (laughs) what else can I do? And, um, you know, I had an opportunity to decide that I wanted to do something more. And I simply sent an email to care and said, Hey, this is what I do. How can I help? And instantly got snatched up and it was great. (laughs) (laughs) I learned about, you know, some of the really big issues that the world is facing. I learned about how government works. And then I had um, really very direct training and opportunities to put it to work. And, you know, then went and held meetings with my congressmen and senators and talked about these issues and was able to say, I want you to do this thing. I want you to pass this legislation or I want you to co-sponsor it or support it or talk to your buddies over lunch with it. And not every time, but, you know, quite a few successes there were things that I was able to lobby on with other care advocates they actually happened and it was uh, thrilling it's thrilling and, it, it, and you know it's it's thrilling to watch too i mean even as i mean i also as a private citizen have you know advocate on on issues that i care about and and also as a you know a staffer uh with care uh, i've been in many of those kinds of meetings with with you and others in the network and it's it is really thrilling to kind mm-hmm. of see the sense of empowerment that comes from people uh, exercising their their right as citizens and yeah. and seeing people be responsive and you know the, I mean the the media would lead you to believe that that it's the big protest marches or or uh, those kinds of really public things that change that make big changes in our society and certainly. It, that has an impact on it. Those big kind of public moments can be a real inflection point for efforts. But the truth is, over time, you go back and you look at the civil rights movement or the women's movement or, or whatever it might be, even if you look at the the kind of the, the conservative movement uh, that gave rise to the Tea Party, uh, those, those kinds of societal changes happened by small groups of people working together over time and and as you were describing meeting with their members of congress going to town hall meetings having in district meetings occasionally making a trip to washington as you have several times to mm-hmm. meet together with other people of like totally mind totally fun it is it's very cool it's exciting yeah. and yeah. and that is really how change happens and it's so you need those big public moments but you but the real work gets done by private citizens like you and others in the network over time who are day in and day out building those relationships with members of Congress and staffers who are showing up at events who are writing letters to the editor. That's the stuff that really makes it happen. Yeah. And it's a whole lot easier to do than most people think. It's true. It is. It's so much easier. And, you know, people will ask me, oh, well, you know, does CARE do work here in the United States? And... I always answer that with a great big fat yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the programs that CARE supports um, take place in the developing world, but they work you know, it, it really in-depth with people like myself to teach us how to influence change. And that is an incredibly important service that um, CARE is the one who provided that service to me. You know, and, and I know that people can plug into lots and lots and lots of nonprofit organizations, humanitarian organizations, and have the, a similar experience. And I'm going to encourage readers to do exactly that. Plug into the issues and the organizations that are working to create the change that you want to see in the world and advocate. Um, and if Jeannie, yeah. if I could just um, pick up on something that you said, um, because I know that... There are a lot of barriers to becoming an advocate. You know, one of them is believing that you can't make a difference, and which is wrong. Mm-hmm. But it, it's obviously a, a, a common um, sort of perception. Um, 
But I think there are a lot that want to step up. They, they want to get involved, but they don't know how to do it, don't know how to take that first step. Mm-hmm. And this is what Care Action offers is we will be that partner. We will mm-hmm. provide that training. We will provide those opportunities, um, whether there's just a really small, you want to just get a toe in the water, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll provide a place to start. Um, and if you want to do more, if you want to go deeper, if you want to learn more, uh, we have those resources as well. So I, mm-hmm. I really do encourage anyone who's at all curious, go to careaction.org, um, take a look at what we offer. Uh, we've got a great team spread all around the country, uh, mm-hmm. our regional advocacy coordinators. You could reach out to them through our website if you want to talk to a real person um, and not just look at something online. Um, but just go to the website and, and, and take a look because we, we do offer those tools. We want to be that partner to help those who are interested in getting involved but just don't know how, where to start. Yeah, it's the tools for citizens to be the citizens we need them to be right now. And maybe even especially, you know, younger people, because, you know, I was talking to my son, as I mentioned earlier, some of the big issues that have to be solved in the world right now, they need to be advocated by the people that have the biggest stake in it. Absolutely. And we need people in their, you know, teens, 20s and 30s who are in the building phase of their lives to advocate for the building blocks that they want. It, it can't be me, you know, for that. It has to be them. And we have to pull the 20s in. We have to pull the 30-somethings in. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, I, I, you know, one of the things that we've been trying to do of late, and Rachel's been really helping with this, is is to uh, employ more digital tools that mm-hmm. meet meet people where they are and and uh you know i mean all of us in these days are are on digital media in one way or another but yeah. but it's really the folks in the age group that you were describing who 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 live fully in that world and mm-hmm. and I, so we're trying to be present in that world as well mm-hmm. in a way that gives meets people where they are and gives them a chance to to act and uh using the media that they're comfortable with and, and do operate most, most of the rest of their lives with them. But, so but I hope folks also, will take a look at that. But care also kind of challenges, you know, people that are living online to, you know, get offline, get yeah, with the other yeah. people, get yep. in the room, have the conversations person to person. And I think that young people are starving for that right now. They're looking for real life opportunities, not digital ones. I mean, I, I, I'm a hundred percent behind you know, keeping the digital engine going because that is how we get all of our information these days. But I also think that people are starving for human contact and this is a way to get it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I I think to find people who care about, you know, similar sorts of things and who yeah. Who might come from very different walks of life, but who who care about these same issues and wanting to make a difference in the world. Uh, yeah, there is something really gratifying about that, about finding some folks of, of like mind and similar values that that you yeah. can work together on these things with. Uh, and, and you so, find yeah. your tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I want to ask you guys just a couple more questions um, before we wrap up our conversation today. I often hear parents and, you know, not just parents, but people will make the statement, nobody ever told me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then they fill in the blanks with whatever it is. And I often wonder, really, did nobody ever say it before? Or were you simply not able to articulate it or hear it or or what? But, you know, we hear that a lot. And so I wanted to ask you guys to fill in the blanks. Hmm. Rachel, nobody ever told you what? Hmm. It could be about parenthood or career or politics or whatever context you want. Right. Well, you know, one thing that um, I actually was talking about um, with my sisters recently, um, you know, I think, or well, certainly I, when I was younger and 
you watch your parents, you watch teachers, you watch adults in your life. And I certainly made the assumption that um, adulthood was, you just, you had a script. And whatever happened, you knew what to do. You knew what the course of action was. It was like, all right, when this happens, then this is what you do. And it's all sort of mapped out. And I had no idea that nobody has any idea what they're doing. And it's just making it up as they go along. (laughs) None of us know what we're doing, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's always, that was a surprise to me to recognize that you know, none of us have the answers. None of us have everything figured out. We're all doing just the best we can, just trying to figure things out when <laughs> curveballs are thrown our way. And I have been reminded of that this week. Yeah. <laughs> it's your turn, David. Well, you know, your question reminded me of one of my favorite songs. Uh, there's, a, I believe it's Julian Lennon, actually, John Lennon's son, mm-hmm. song, son who... Uh, did maybe his only hit the strange days do you know the song oh yeah yeah you know nobody told me there'd be days like these strange days strange days indeed and and um i suppose in in similar to to what rachel was saying i think you know also no one ever told me that that uh in fact some of the uh, some of the both best and most interesting things in life as well as sometimes most some of the most challenging will come at you out of left field yeah. <laughs> you can you can have all your plans and it's not a bad thing to plan but that you got to be prepared to to adapt and change and seize opportunities when they when they come at you and uh so yeah uh, and you know that life can be both so beautiful and so troubling uh even in you know the course of the same day yeah uh, and that's you know that's that is part of of you know coming to grip with the, the reality of the world that's yeah. how it is but there's you know so that kind of bittersweet uh nature of life i think is something no one ever told me was going to be how it was yeah. uh, when i got old, especially frankly about having kids I think some of my kind of highest highs and lowest lows have been and as part of being a parent. Uh, and yeah, nobody, nobody told me about that. Yeah. Boy, isn't that the truth? Yeah. The kids will do it to you, man. So then that leads to our final question. And I always ask some version of this. Where are you in your life as a mom or as a parent or in terms of motherhood? Hmm. Well, that's an interesting one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I am very much living in between being a, being a, a, a child and being a parent. Um, so it's my parents at a point in life where they need much more from me than than was the case for for many years, and so I find myself in some ways parenting my parents and 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 evolving into a much different adult relationship with my now adult children. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a, I, I am in a place where roles are shifting and reversing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so learning how to, how to live, uh, in those relationships in some different ways. You're in the really interesting meaty middle of the sandwich. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rachel, how about you? Well, I am at a place where I have chosen to not be a biological mother. Mm-hmm. And to really cherish and invest in the other um, sort of mothering relationships that I have, um, particularly with my niece, Mm -hmm. Addison, who is seven, and my goddaughter, Sadie, who is 11 years old. And they are two of the most incredible and hilarious people I know. And (laughs) I I really, um, yeah, I... I'm very grateful for the the time that I get with them. 
um, that I wouldn't necessarily get um, at the same level if um, I had children. Oh, you definitely wouldn't have the same level. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, those are really good answers. I want to thank you both for taking the microphone today and, you know, talking to listeners about these issues, because I know that, you know, we're all going through it. And, you know, all you got to do is click on the news and you see that people are desperate. They're really desperate right now. And it doesn't matter if, you know, they won the election or they lost the election. People are just really going through it. And the more that we can provide opportunities for people to take that energy and, you know, use it as leverage, then the better off we all are. So thank you. Thank you both very much for coming on the Uh, Thank you, Jeannie. It's been fun. Well, good, good. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, guys, we're going to talk again real soon. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, Jeannie. Thanks for all you do. Bye-bye. Bye. guests today were David Ray and Rachel Lehman. You can learn more about their work at CARE, that's care.org, and CareAction, careaction.org. You can learn more about me and my work at genefaulkner.com. Email me, gene at genefaulkner. Tweet me, at genefaulkner. Subscribe and share the podcast. Donate if you can to help keep this conversation going and hang in there, will ya? I'll talk to y'all next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.